Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? There is hardly a subject that is more debated than Sabbath keeping. You know, if you tell someone, well, I keep the seventh day Sabbath, all of a sudden you're going to be hit, in most cases, not all, but in a lot of cases you're going to be hit with all kinds of excuses that the person will have for not keeping the Sabbath. And, you know, and, and one of the reasons I put together this DVD is basically I got tired of hearing all the excuses. Now, this is not all the excuses. I mean, it's a never-ending journey. People are always coming up with new reasons as to why the Sabbath day is not important. But I think for us, for God's people, instead of always feeling we have to defend our faith, that we have to answer all the arguments against the Sabbath, I think it's time for us to start making people defend their faith. In other words, please give me your systematic Bible study on Sunday worship. I don't really need you to tear apart the Sabbath. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I need from you, I need you to prove to me why you're keeping Sunday, the first work day of the week, why you keep that day. That's what I need from you. I don't need you to tear apart the Sabbath day. That's not the issue. In other words, why, what I'm struggling with is I need, to, I need you to, to defend your faith and prove to me I need to see your systematic Bible study on Sunday keeping so that I can go through it and study it and look at all the scriptures. So I just think, you know, as, as God's people, it's time we, instead of always feeling we have to defend our faith, we need to start asking questions and turn that around and make them defend their faith. So anyway, I hope this DVD will help build your confidence, and I hope it will help you minister the truth to others. excuses that people use for not keeping the Sabbath day. Okay, this first one I've heard many times is in Romans 14 and verse 5. Let's take a look at it. One man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day regards it unto the Lord, and he that regards not the day to the Lord he does not regard it. 
Okay, now the way I've heard this explained, and the way a lot of religious people try to explain this, is, is to say, well, you see, Paul was saying that you can basically choose any day you want to esteem as your Sabbath. You know, and, and now, really, is that what this verse is talking about? Did you notice that there is no mention of the word Sabbath in this scripture? None. But the way people look at this, they say, well, yeah, I can choose any day I want to. I want to choose Sunday to esteem in my day of worship. You want to choose Saturday? That's okay. That's how people look at this. Now, let's just carry this to its ultimate chaotic conclusion. Okay, let's imagine a world where everybody was religious. Okay, now I know that's hard to do, but let's, let's, say, let's say the kingdom of God on this earth. Let, let's, let's use that. Everybody's religious. And now, let's just imagine everybody doing this, esteeming the day that they want to esteem as their day of worship, <coughs> okay? Now, first off, you do understand that it would always, the day chosen would always be out of convenience. And let's not kid ourselves, okay? In other words, I'd look at my busy schedule, I'd get out my, my uh, calendar, and I'd say, now this week it looks like Sunday's a good day to choose as my Sabbath. Now next week it looks like, hmm, Friday would be a good day to esteem as my Sabbath. And next week it looks like, well, Monday's going to work out great. I'm not doing anything that day, so Monday will be my day that I choose as the Sabbath. Now, imagine if you're a part owner of a business or anything like that, imagine trying to work people where everybody is choosing out of convenience their day, their esteemed day as their Sabbath, okay? Imagine that. Well, Sue, I need you to come in on, on uh, Sunday and do, no, 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 Sunday's my esteemed day. <coughs> and Bob, I need you to come in on, on Monday. No, 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 Monday's my esteemed Sabbath day. And George, I need you to be here on Friday. No, 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 Friday's my esteemed, you know, how would you get anything done? How would you get anything done? I mean, <coughs> excuse me, again, is this verse saying that we can choose one out of seven to worship God on. Is that what it's saying? Let's take a look at it again. Romans 14 and verse 6. He that regards the day regarded it unto the Lord, and he that regards not the day to the Lord, he does not regard it. Is this saying that if I don't want to regard a day at all, it's okay? That according to this line of reasoning, that's what it's saying. That I can, uh, I, Lord, I choose not to esteem any day. Huh? That's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Nonsense. Nonsense. Maybe there's a reason why God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, what day? Uh, the, the esteemed day of your choosing. choosing. No, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God, in it you shall do no work. Well, I just want to esteem the day of my choosing. I want just to choose a day that's convenient for me. Listen, do you treat all of God's laws like that? Do you treat all of God's laws? Do do I mean, if it's convenient for you to commit adultery, do, do you commit adultery? If it's convenient for you to steal, do you steal? If it's convenient for you to lie, do you tell a lie? Do you treat all of God's law like this? You know? Why did God waste his breath and say, the seventh day is my Sabbath? My question is, who's your boss? Who's your boss? Do you have the final authority or does God have the final authority? 
So religious sound bites, how many are there? Oh man, so many religious sound bites. Okay, well this one is, this little religious sound bite is, well I keep every day as the Sabbath. I keep every day as the what? I, I keep every day as the Sabbath. Well let me ask you a question, when do you work? When do you work? The, 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 the scripture, the fourth commandment says, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. In it you shall do not, no work. There's only one day that you're not supposed to be doing your own thing, work, rest, disconnect yourself from the busy world in which you live in, like an overloaded socket, you know, with, with with 10 uh, extension cords running into it, disconnect yourself. That's only, that's only the Sabbath day. That's the seventh day that you're supposed to do that. So, no, you, you can't keep every day as the Sabbath. And I'm going through excuses that religious people use not to keep the Sabbath day. Now, this is another religious soundbite that people use. Here it is. Well, Jesus is my Sabbath. Jesus is your Sabbath. What, what, what does that mean? What, what, Jesus is your Sabbath? I mean, it'd be like the man having sex with his neighbor's wife. And he comes home and he says, Honey, Jesus is my faithfulness. And he goes out and has sex with his neighbor's wife. And he comes home, Jesus is my faithfulness. And he goes out and has sex with his neighbor's wife. And he comes home, Jesus is my faithfulness. No, 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 no. If Jesus, listen to me, if Jesus is your faithfulness, you will be faithful to your wife. Okay, you don't need a lot of brain cells to figure this one out. If Jesus is your faithfulness, you will be faithful to your wife. If Jesus is your Sabbath, you will keep Jesus' Sabbath. Well, what was Jesus' Sabbath? Well, um, what do you think it was? It was the Sabbath day. It was the fourth commandment. Mark 2 verse 27 says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not what? The Sabbath was made for who? The Jews? Did I hear someone say, Jews? No, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Which day is the Lord's day? Which day did Jesus say is the real Lord's day? Jesus said, the Lord's Day is the Sabbath. So, lose the one-liner. Well, you know, the religious soundbite, well, Jesus is my Sabbath. No, if Jesus is your Sabbath, you will be keeping Jesus' Sabbath. Now, this is an excuse for not keeping it. Get this. The Sabbath was given as a sign between God and Israel. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Now, keep in mind, Israel was God's chosen people. They were called to be an example nation. And if they kept the commandments, they would be looked upon as a, an incredible, they would be a blessed nation. And other people, this was God's intent, that if they kept the commandments, God, people would look at them and say, wow, that nation is really blessed by God. Let's see what they're doing and let's follow their example. Okay, the Sabbath was given as a sign to God, between God and Israel, God's chosen people. Now, 
have you got a problem with that? Uh, connecting yourself up with God's chosen people? Uh, would you rather not be a part of God, the sign connected with God's chosen people? You, you don't want to be special. You just want to be ho-hum. You, know, you just want to be a nobody. You know, I, don't, I don't care about God's chosen people. I don't want to connect up with that. I just want to be uh, irrelevant. You know? I don't want to be anything. You know? I mean, what's your problem with not wanting to connect up with being God's chosen people and the sign connected with that? Oh, I know, you got your own sign. You've got your sign. It's the first work day of the week. And you go in there and touch bases with the Lord for about 45 minutes, and then you go out and do whatever you want to do. Oh, okay, I got it. Well, let's take a look at this verse here. It says, Speaking to also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. You know what that word sanctify means? It means to make holy. I am the Lord your God that makes you holy. So, oh, you don't care about being made holy, do you? Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Therefore, we go to church on Sunday. Okay, now first of all, I'm not sure Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Uh, Mary came to the tomb. It was not even daylight. It was still dark, and he had already risen. So what does that tell you? I actually think it was probably Saturday evening before sunset when Christ rose from the dead. But, you know, that's a matter of my opinion. But, oh, okay, let, let's say Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Okay, let's, let's go with it. Let's go with it. Let's say, okay, Jesus yeah. rose from the dead on a Sunday. All right. Okay, now, don't you think if he changed, and this is monumental, okay? You're talking about changing the fourth commandment or just doing away with it and you're thinking about changing it to Sunday. No longer are we going to keep the seventh day of the week. Now we've done this for 4,000 years, okay? Uh, it is the fourth commandment. It is the Ten Commandments. You know, it's fourth commandment. We've done this for 4,000 years. Now we're, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep the first work day of the week as holy. Okay? Now don't you think there would be something in the Bible about that monumental, incredible change that Jesus would say, okay, boys, because I rose from the dead on a Sunday, I am now changing the day of worship. Did Jesus forget to say that? I mean, why didn't he say that? Why didn't he just at least mention it? I mean, think about it. In the book of Acts, you have the Jerusalem Council that agonized over circumcision. They had to have a meeting just to discuss this. Circumcision is not even one of the Ten Commandments. And they, were, they, they had this counsel because they thought that you, in order to be saved, you had to be circumcised. And this is discussed in the book of Acts under the Jerusalem Council about circumcision, which was not even one of the Ten Commandments. Now, don't you think that if the change had taken place where this monumental change of negating the fourth commandment, changing the fourth commandment to the first work day of the week, don't you think somebody would have said something about it in the Bible? My point is, it's not in there. There's not a word mentioned about a change. Do you know why? Because it never was changed. Jesus didn't go to church on a Sunday. He did not keep the first work day of the week. He kept, neither did 
the New Testament church. The New Testament church didn't go to church on Sunday. You know, today there's 567 excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. By tomorrow, there'll be about a 680 out there excuses for not keeping God's holy seventh day Sabbath, which is Saturday. Now, this one is referred to as Paul's teaching on the Sabbath. In other words, people will take this and they'll say, well, this is what Paul taught about the Sabbath day right here. And he was referring to it as weak and beggarly and no good at all. Well, let's take a look at Galatians 4 and verse 9. It says, but now after that you have, Paul is talking to Gentiles here. He says, but now after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements wherein you desire, again desire to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I tell you, the kahunas of some of these preachers who get up here and say, well, you see, God was saying that the Sabbath day and the holy days are weak and beggarly. It wasn't worth the soapstone it was written on. He should, God should have never wasted his breath with those old holy days and Sabbath day. I mean, that's what these preachers are saying. They actually refer to this scripture of these Gentiles returning to and observing days and months and times. They're trying to say that that's a reference to God's holy days and Sabbath day. It's amazing. I mean, it is amazing. You know, these people keeping the Sabbath days and the holy days are weak and beggarly because they're trying to obey God. No, you want to be strong, don't obey God. Come up with your own belief system. Come up with your own day of worship. Come up with your own pagan holidays like Christmas. That's more godly, yeah. Right. I tell you, it is amazing. Now listen to me. Let's understand what Paul was talking about. The people he, were talking, he was talking to were Gentiles. They were pagan to the core. Okay? They, up until this point, they had never kept the Sabbath and the Holy Days. They worship astrology. They did observe days and months and seasons. Again, this is a pagan Gentile people. And what Paul is saying is don't return back to your pagan practices where you are in bondage to your ignorance. That's what Paul is referring to. Again, they did worship astrology and days and seasons and times, and he's saying don't return back to that. Paul would have never referred to the Sabbath day as bondage. I mean, bondage is working seven days a week. The Israelites were slaves for over 400 years. They worked seven days a week, okay, making bricks. And God comes along and says, I'm going to give you, he reinstituted his Sabbath day, I'm going to give you a day off. You're going to go from working seven days a week, and now I'm going to give you a Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. And you're going to get to take a day off. Didn't, none of those Israelites said, well, that's bondage for me to keep the Sabbath. It's a day off. That's bondage, man. That's bondage. I don't want no bondage, man. That's a break. You know, it's a day off. Nonsense. Nonsense. No, I mean, this scripture is totally taken out of context. 
by preachers who try to say that Paul is referring to God's Sabbath and God's holy days as weak and beggarly. Let me tell you something, preacher boy. You're going to answer to God for that one. Okay, excuses that people use for not keeping this seventh day Sabbath, which is Saturday. There are many of them. Let me read this next one here. Uh, I almost forgot what it was. Oh, council at Jerusalem, lack of Sabbath instruction. That's another reason for not keeping the Sabbath. At, at the Jerusalem council, there was lack of Sabbath instruction. Do you know why that is? Well, because they've been keeping it for 4,000 years. It was the custom. It was a tradition. Sabbath keeping was like breathing air back then. I mean, that's what they did. They went to the synagogue. They, they kept the Sabbath, Sabbath day. I mean, there, were, there was no need for Sabbath instruction at the Jerusalem council. Moses is preached every Sabbath day in the synagogue. So there's no need to preach about the Sabbath at, or to talk about the Sabbath. That was not an issue. Now, here's the question you've got to ask, Sunday Keeper. You've got to ask, how come at the Jerusalem Council, you see, the question is not, well, why is there no Sabbath instruction at the Jerusalem Council? That's not the right question. The right question is, why is there no mention of a change from Sabbath to Sunday at the Jerusalem Council? I mean, the Jerusalem Council was about circumcision, about whether people had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Circumcision is not even one of the, four, not even one of the commandments. Imagine if the fourth commandment had been changed. Imagine if Jesus had made some kind of change to the law and instituted the first work day of the week as a day of worship. Do you think there would be no mention of that at the Jerusalem Council? Well, nonsense. That's all they would have talked about is a new day of worship. Hey, we got a new day of worship now. Uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, because of his resurrection, we now have a new day of worship. Do you think there's not a mention of it in the Bible? There's no mention of that at the Jerusalem Council. The question is not, why is there no mention of Sabbath keeping at the Jerusalem Council? The question is, why is there no mention of Sunday keeping, the first work day of the week, at the Jerusalem Council? That's what you've got to ask. Here we go again. Excuses for not keeping the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath, God's holy day, Excuses for not keeping it. Religious people have all kinds of excuses. You know, the best excuse you could use is, I don't want to keep it. You know, that, that, have you tried using that one yet to God? Because that's honesty. You see, you see, God can deal with your honesty, but all of these manipulating of the Scripture and twisting the Scripture and trying to draw from the Bible reasons as why you don't keep it, try just saying, I don't want to keep it. That's the best excuse of all right there. A little bit of honesty, okay? Okay, let's look at another one here. Let's see, er, that's not it, okay. Oh, oh yeah, John makes reference uh, to the Lord's Day, Revelation 1 and verse 10. Now this, Revelation 1 and verse 10 says something like this. I was in the Spirit, John is speaking. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, listen. Listen, John was not in the Spirit in a Sunday worship service on Sunday morning passing around an offering plate 
That's not what John's talking about, okay? This, this has nothing to do with a Sunday. I mean, the book of Revelation is about the day of the Lord. It's about, it's about the day that Christ returns to this earth. The trump sounds, the dead in Christ are raised. It's about the monumental events that occur right shortly before Christ returns. It's not talking about Sunday. It's talking about the day of the Lord or the Lord's day, the day that Christ intervenes in world affairs and sets up his kingdom on this earth. To take this verse and somehow say, well, John was, was in the spirit on a Sunday with the offering plate, you know, collecting, you know, and sitting on a hard bench pew, you know, and, and Sunday worship service. Yeah, that's what that's talking about. No, no, man. You're living in a fantasy land if you think that. Excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. There are many. Not very good ones, by the way, but there are many. Uh, let's see. What else have I heard? Oh, oh, I know. Uh, well, how can you know when the Sabbath is? Uh, time's been lost. We don't know that the seventh day is the seventh day. Maybe the seventh day is the first day. Maybe the first day is the fourth day. Maybe time's been lost. How can you know which day is which? Well, first of all, have you ever lost track of what day it is? I'm sure you have. I have too. What did you do? You said, excuse me, sir, do you, what day is it? And that person turned around and said, I don't know. And he turned around, hey, what day is it? We don't know. It gets on the intercom. Excuse me, all Walmart shoppers. Does anybody in this Walmart know what day it is? Answer, no, no one knows in Walmart what day it is. And then you go out and maybe you call it the President of the United States. Do you know what day? No, he, he doesn't know. No one knows. And, you, and, and, and no one knows. No one knows. There's a time in history when everybody went brain dead and forgot what day it was. What, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the illusion that, well, we all lost time is just an illusion. I mean, that, that weekly cycle of seven-day period, weekly cycle, six days of work, one of rest, the Sabbath day, the seventh day, has always been in existence. It's always been in existence. Now, here's what you're responsible for. You're responsible for what you know is right. Get you a dictionary and look up the first day of the week. Look up the word Sunday. What does it tell you? Well, yeah, it tells you that the day that most people go to church on, they're wrong, but it is the day that most people go to church on. But it will also say the first day of the week. Then look up in your dictionary the word Saturday, and it will say the seventh day of the week. And then you connect that up with the fourth commandment that says keep the seventh day of the week. You are responsible for what you know to be right. And you can know what is right. You just don't want to know. Early church met regularly, first day of the week. No, that's a lie. Okay, Acts 20 and verse 7. Let's take a look at that one. Acts 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Okay, let's understand what's going on. First of all, Paul kept the Sabbath. And he's preaching on Saturday. 
and he, he's, he's long-winded, and he preaches, you know, Saturday evening rolls around, and then sunset, he's still preaching. And he preaches on through, and now at sunset Saturday evening, what do you have? You've got a new day. It's the first day of the week. When the sun sets Saturday evening, then it's Sunday. Okay, he's still preaching. On up until midnight, ready the next day on the morrow, you know, to, to, to uh, leave. Ready to depart on the next day, which was Sunday. Okay, what does this tell you? It tells you the man was long-winded. He preached the Sabbath, he preached all the way into the first day of the week, and he's still preaching, okay, up until midnight. Alright, that's what it tells you. It tells you the man was long-winded. Does it tell you to change the day of worship? No, well, not. Who would come up with that? Who would say, well, you see, that means we're supposed to meet on Sunday. Now, how do you get that? How do you get that? It just means that the man was long-winded. And this one is under the reference, well, the New Testament church went to church on the first day of the week, the first work day of the week. No, they did not. Now, let's look at this reference. This is supposed to be proof that the church was doing this. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. Now, let me stop right there. First of all, there was a famine in the land, and Paul is going around to different churches gathering foodstuffs, whatever it takes to relieve these people from this famine famine that is in the land. And the churches are going to get together. You know, they're going to put all this stuff together. They're going to work, 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 and put all this stuff together. And Paul's going to come by and get it. Okay? This is what's going on. Now, let's notice 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, which is, what, Sunday, the first work day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I'm going to come by there on Sunday. Make sure everybody lays by in store. Get your stuff together. Get all your food stuff together so that I can take it down and we can have this famine relief program that we're working on. Look, he's saying, get it together before I come there. On the first work day of the week. This is work, folks. Getting your stuff together, laying it by in store, having it all packed up so that when I come by there, you won't be out there, you know, uh, thinking, well, I got to get this and I got to get that. Get it all together so that when I come by, I can grab it and take it on with me. This is a routine work day. This is not a religious service of passing the offering plate and dropping a few coins in the offering. That's not what this is talking about. This is major work taking place on the first day of the week. This is a plan. This is famine relief. These are, this is sweat, you know, of the brow here. Or, you know, this is, this is getting together and gathering food stuff and laying it by in store and having it ready so that I can come by and pick it up. Uh, I worship a God that says, I don't change. I change not. Isn't that nice to know that God doesn't change? And, sh and surely he wouldn't change the day of worship, would he? Well, he just said, I don't change. Okay? So God doesn't change. All right. Excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. 
I almost left this one out. Someone reminded me that I need to include this one. Colossians 2 and verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, I don't know why people will take this as an argument against the Sabbath day. I mean, let me ask you, is someone judging you because you observe the first work day of the week? You go to church on Sunday, you touch bases with the Lord for about 45 minutes, and you go home and do whatever you want to do. Is someone judging you because you're observing the first work day of the week? Is someone observing you, uh, uh, judging you because you keep Christmas and Easter and Halloween and April Fool's Day? Well, I doubt it. But you see, people do judge me all the time because of these things. In other words, if you don't observe this, it's not talking to you. This verse says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. It's only talking to people who keep these things. And it's saying, don't let anyone judge you for doing so. I get judged all the time for keeping the dietary laws and what I eat. I don't eat certain things like pork. And people will say, well, what are you, what are you a Jew or something? That's good meat. That fat back, you know, that's, you know, the lard did away with all that. You know, they call Jesus the, the lard, like it's a piece of fat back meat or something. You know, the Lord nailed that to the cross. You don't have to keep those dietary laws. People judge me all the time for keeping the Sabbath day. Well, that's mosaic. That's for Israel only. That's for the Jews. You don't have to keep the Sabbath day. The people judge me all the time for keeping the holy days. Well, what kind of days are they? I've never heard of the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Unleavened Bread. What kind of crazy religion do you have? Yeah, I get judged all the time for observing these things. And, and, and the Word of God says, don't let anyone judge you because you are doing these things. What I'm saying is, if you're not doing these things, it's not even talking to you. It's talking to the ones who do observe the Sabbath day, the holy days, the dietary laws. Well, let's notice what it says in the next verse, which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of Christ. You mean to tell me these things are a shadow of things to come? Well, obviously people are not. Our society does not recognize these, this truth today, these truths. I mean, they are a shadow of things to come. I mean, we're, we're living in a Sunday-keeping world. We're living in a world that is geared up for Sabbath breaking. I mean, Saturday is the biggest day of people's lives. I mean, they're shopping, they're going here, they're going there. This is not a society that observes the holy days. It's a society that observes the pagan holidays. It's not a society that keeps the dietary laws. These are a shadow of things to come. You know, if you've got a tree casting a shadow, big wide you know big old oak tree casting a shadow and you start you know you start following that shadow and it narrows down and eventually you'll bump right into the tree these are a shadow of things to come now how can i say that 
How can I say that these things are a shadow of things to come? Well, let me illustrate that for you. Isaiah 66 and verse 23, and it shall come to pass. Now, get the picture. This is millennial setting. Christ is returning to his throne. He is setting up his government, his kingdom on this earth. This is a reference to the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ on this earth. And it says this, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh, uh-oh, guess what? All flesh includes you shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Yeah, it's a shadow of things to come. The Sabbath is a shadow of things to come. When Christ sets up his kingdom, people are going to be keeping the Sabbath. All flesh. Okay? Well, what about the holy days? Are they a shadow of things to come? Well, let's notice Zechariah 14 and verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all nations... Now, now wait a minute. This is millennial setting. This is the kingdom of God. Christ has returned. He's setting up his government on this earth. And it says, it shall come to pass, that everyone that is left of all nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, it's a shadow of things to come. And while we're on the subject, let's deal with the dietary laws. Are they a shadow of things to come also? Again, this verse, Isaiah 66 and verse 17, is millennial setting. Christ returns with vengeance, in anger, with wrath. And this is what he's going to do. It says, They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse, shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Oh, yeah. It's a shadow of things to come. You know, one day you're going to bump into God's truth. Like right now. Okay, excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. This next one has been quoted by uh, men like uh, David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley. And the concept of how it's stated goes something like this. Jesus fulfilled the law, but he reinstated nine of the Ten Commandments. In other words, he sort of, you know, yeah, the law has been abolished or it's been fulfilled or whatever, but Jesus reinstated nine of the Ten Commandments. Now, guess which one he left out? Uh, you got it. He left out the fourth one. He didn't reinstate the Sabbath day. Now, the logic, if you can even, if I should even say that, the logic is not logic, but the logic of this kind of reasoning is absolute insanity. Of, now, let's say, okay, if the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. If Jesus didn't reinstate that, would that mean that it's okay for me to commit adultery? If Jesus had not reinstated this, the seventh commandment? If Jesus had not reinstated, thou shalt not kill, in his own words or whatever, thou shalt not do no murder, would it be all right for me to go out and kill anybody I wanted to? You see, this is what I mean by the, 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 the idiotic logic of this kind of reasoning doesn't make any sense at all. You know, Jesus did say 
In Matthew 12 and verse 8, he said, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So what day is the Lord's day? Well, Jesus said it's the Sabbath day. Sunday is the first work day of the week. And Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath day. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 12, he says, How much more then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? And so he illustrated by healing people that it was, it was okay to do good, to heal on the Sabbath day. You know, to take care of your animals or whatever on the Sabbath day, to water them, to feed them. I mean, here are instructions from Jesus about the Sabbath. Not about Sunday, but about the Sabbath. Mark 2 and verse 22. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a great blessing for man, Jesus says. Uh, Matthew 24 and verse 20. But pray ye that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Here are some more instructions about the Sabbath day. Okay, but he forgot to tell us, you shouldn't be keeping it, right? He forgot to tell us, you shouldn't be keeping it. You know, in Acts 13 and verse 42, it says this, it says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, notice this, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them, unto them the next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath, notice verse 44, <coughs> Acts 13 and verse 44, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. And these were Gentiles, by the way. They wanted to hear more about, you know, the words of God. And, and think about it. Why didn't Paul just say, oh, you don't have to wait until next Sabbath. Just come back tomorrow. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. Why didn't Paul correct them? Oh, I know. Paul didn't get the memo that Jesus didn't reinstate the Sabbath day. Okay, excuses for not keeping the Sabbath. Now, if you tell someone, you know, I keep the Sabbath day, or if, if you, if you, you know, well, if you tell someone, okay, I keep the fourth commandment, the seventh day of the week, one of the things you're going to hear is, well, you know, Paul said not to frustrate the grace of God. Not, what, what was that? Well, you know, Paul said not to frustrate the grace of God. Well, what's that got to do with me keeping the fourth commandment? Well, you know, I, but this is one of the excuses. Now, let's take a look at it. Galatians 2 and verse 21. Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What they're accusing you of is works of the law because you keep the fourth commandment. They're saying you're trying to get salvation by works of the law. That's what they're saying by frustrating the grace of God. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if you are faithful to your wife, you are keeping the seventh commandment, by the way, if you do that. But if you're faithful to your wife, do you feel like you're frustrating the grace of God? If you don't steal from your employer, you are keeping the Eighth Commandment, by the way, if you do that. Do you feel like you're frustrating the grace of God if you do that? Now, let, let's go one step further. Do you feel like you're, by, keeping the, by, by, not, by being faithful to your wife and not stealing, do you feel like you're trying to earn your salvation by doing that? Well, nonsense. Of course not. You're just doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's the reason you do it. You're not trying to earn anything. So when I keep the fourth commandment, it's the same story, buddy. I'm not trying to earn or uh, salvation or anything like that. 
But, but by the way, it is the fourth commandment. You do know that, don't you? Exodus 20 and verse 9. Let's take a look at that. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall not do any work. It is the fourth commandment. You know what really frustrates me, and I think it frustrates God also? It is all the people, it is people's unwillingness to just, just be honest with themselves and say, God, I don't want to keep your Sabbath day. I don't want to do it. That is frustrating. The lack of honesty is very frustrating to me. And it's frustrating to God also. Does it matter which day you worship God on? The fourth commandment says, six days shall you labor, but the seventh day of the week is God's Sabbath day. For nearly 2,000 years, people have disagreed about which day, Saturday or Sunday, is the Christian day of weekly worship. Is this an important issue or does it really matter when the Christian performs his worship activities? The crux of the matter is simply this. Who are you obeying when you present yourself before God to worship Him? Get the facts by ordering Sunday Worship, How Sunday Worship Really Came About. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.